0: Well, we're opening our Bibles again tonight in John's Gospel in the chapter 6. And my text for this evening is found in the verse 37. The Lord Jesus says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Well, wherever you go in life, there is nearly always somebody in control and the boys and girls know this because there's always somebody in charge and seldom is it the boys and girls if you're born into a family it's your parents who are in control and you listen to them you do what they say you go to school and the teacher is in control you go to work and boys and girls it doesn't get any easier there because you'll have a boss and they'll be in control and they'll be in charge as well If you live in a country, it doesn't matter what country it is, there's always somebody in control. Whether it's the police, the judges, the politicians, there are people who take charge. If you get on an airplane, you'll be relieved that there's a pilot there to take control and fly the plane for you. But what about everything that happens in this world? The affairs of nature. Is somebody in control of these Well, the answer, very simply, is yes. God is in control of everything that happens in the world presently, everything that has happened previously, and everything that will happen in the days to come. God, very simply, is in control of everything. Now, some people believe that God created everything, and then he left it to man. That God withdrew Himself and pulled back and left men to their own devices and disposals. They believe that God is powerless to intervene in the affairs of this world, that God is merely an observer of this world. They say God does not control who believes in Him, and God has no control over who goes to heaven or goes to hell. Another group of people believe that God gets a little. Involved in the world. That God knew that man would sin. He planned the cross. That he planned the Lord Jesus Christ. To be our saviour. That God had his son die. So that men had the option. To be saved. But really this group believe. That it's up to men. To decide if they want to be saved or not. This group believe that ultimately. God is powerless. To effect. Who will believe. And who won't believe? The final group of people, they believe that God is in complete control of absolutely everything. That God planned, he foresaw, and he decided, he ordained every little detail of what would happen in the world. You and I might not know what will happen tomorrow. We might not know who the next prime minister will be. But God knows absolutely everything. There's nothing that's going to happen tomorrow that will surprise God or catch God out. He knows every little detail of what will happen to you in school tomorrow, in work tomorrow, and he even knows the football results from next Saturday. God knows absolutely everything. But more specifically, God planned the death of his son at the cross. Before this world was even created, this was part of the divine plan of God. God knew that no man or woman of their own free will would believe upon his son. He knew that the whole human race was lost and would perish. He planned the salvation of many sinners from this world. He planned that they would come and believe upon his son. God knows the name of every person who has been saved. He knows the name of every person in the future who will be saved. Revelation 21, verse 27. This is what it says. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither worketh abomination or maketh a lie, speaking of heaven, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So it speaks of God having a book. And there's names in it. And God knows the name of every person who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he put their name in that book before this world was even made. If God was not in control of all the events of this world. Think about it. There would be absolute chaos. There would be anarchy. We think things are bad now. But if God withdrew his hand, even for one day, this world would descend into utter violence. There would be mobs running up and down the street, killing people, breaking into shops, robbing houses. The world would be in a state of devastation. If God was not in control of the events of this world, men would act according to their own sinful desires and urges. If God was not in control, God would effectively be subject to the whims of man. Man would be God. And God would be the onlooker, watching man be his own God. Christ's death ultimately would have been in vain. Because if man was left to himself, not one single person would ever come to believe upon him for salvation. Nobody would choose to believe. One of the greatest comforting truths in scripture, and one of the great comforting truths that we can ever comprehend in our life and get our heads around, is that God is completely sovereign in everything. And he has planned everything according to his perfect will. Whenever you get on an airplane, do you demand to take control of Or to take charge of the controls. To go into the uh, pilot's room and demand to fly the plane. Well, the answer, I hope, is no. You trust the one who knows what they're doing. The pilot has planned the route. They know the speed. They know the dangers. Well, God knows that if it was left to man, nobody would believe. None of us would believe upon Christ So God ordained a people, he chose a people before the foundation of the world who would believe upon his son. He chose them. And this statement by Christ is a declaration that Christ has his people who will come to him. He says, all that the father giveth me shall come to me. Every single one of these people that the Father has given to me, they will come to me, they will believe upon me, and they will be saved. So tonight, in the moments that remain, I want to speak about the very important subject of Christ and his people. Christ and his people. Four headings here tonight. First of all, let's note that the Father has appointed a people. This is what the Bible teaches us. The Father has appointed a people for his Son. Now these people are chosen in eternity. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, we will see this tonight. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, he says to them, in verse 4, According as he... The Father hath chosen us in Him, that is Christ, before the foundation of the world. So it's not a case that God waited to see if we would be good, or if we would be obedient, or if we showed an interest in the gospel, and then chose us. No, we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Before day one of creation, before Adam had even sinned, God chose a people for himself. And look at verse 5. For we learn there that God is sovereignly in charge of who is chosen. Paul says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will so God chooses who will be his people he chose them before the foundation of the world it's not that God saw those who would be good and those who would be religious and those who would go to church and show an interest in his son no god by according to the good pleasure of his will chose Uh, The people that he would give to Christ. And they're chosen by grace alone. In Romans 11 verse 5 it says there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Not works. Grace. It is not that God foresaw faith or foresaw repentance in any of us. No, because of grace he chose his people. This morning we sang that hymn by Robert Murray McShane. And it's one of my favourites. And one of the verses begins like this. Chosen not for good in me. Now out of all the theology in our hymn book. I think apart from the Psalms. That has to be one of the best phrases in our hymn books. Chosen not for good in me. God did not choose anybody. Because of any perceived goodness of them. He chose them because of his sovereign grace alone. But whenever we preach and bring out these verses that show that the Father has appointed a people, there are many people who bring a terrible accusation against God. They say, why has God saved some people, but not all people? Why doesn't God choose to save everybody? Well, I think the question should be phrased the other way around. Why should God save any? Why should God look upon the fallen, uh, sinful human race and choose even one person to be with him in heaven? There's none of us deserve to be in heaven. We all deserve to face God's judgment and wrath for our sin. But it's an act of God's grace that he chooses any to be in his kingdom. Let me give an example There are ten murderers convicted of that awful crime of murder. And the judge sentences all ten of those murderers to death. But then, just before their execution day, the judge decides to show mercy. And he picks five of those murderers and he brings them off death row. And the other five go on to death row. Well, is it cruel that he only pardoned five? And didn't pardon the other five. Do not all ten of those murderers deserve the death penalty? They do. It was an act of grace that the judge pardoned five. He could have allowed all ten to go to their death. But he saved five. Well in the same way. God is not unmerciful. Because he does not save all. He is merciful. Because he chooses to save some. So first of all, the Father has appointed a people. Secondly, the Father gives these people to the Son. That's what the Lord Jesus tells us there in verse 37. All that the Father giveth me. These people have been given by the Father to the Son. Well, why has that happened? Well, there was a covenant. And there still is a covenant Between father and son. If you turn with me to John 17. We learn more about that in this chapter. John 17. And the verse 2. This is the chapter. Where our Lord Jesus Christ. Makes his great high priestly prayer. Of intercession. So this is the prayer that the father. Or the son makes to the father. Verse 2. As thou hast given him, that is the Son, power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So Christ acknowledges in his prayer to the Father that he gives eternal life to who? To those that the Father has given to the Son. In verse 6, the Lord Jesus prays, I have manifested thy name unto the men, which thou givest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou givest them me, and they have kept thy word. So again, the Lord Jesus prays for those people that the Father has given to him. In verse 9 of that chapter, the Lord Jesus again says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them, which thou has given me. So the Lord Jesus Christ makes it explicitly clear that he is praying for the people that the Father has given to him before the foundation of the world. Now the Father has given these people to the Son, but the Son must redeem them. He must secure their salvation. In John 10, verse 15, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I lay down my life for the sheep. He didn't say that he would lay his life down for every single person who would be born into the world. He didn't say he would lay his life down for everybody. No, as the shepherd, he lays his life down for the sheep, not the wild animals. Not the lions, not the hyenas, nobody else, only the sheep. Only those people that the father has given to him will he lay his life down for. And of course this was prophesied. Matthew one twenty one. The angel said and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And that wasn't referring to the Jewish people. It was referring to the people whom the Father gave to the Son. The Father give these people to the Son, and the Son must redeem them. But notice also, Christ has the power to give them new life, eternal life. We read of that in John 17, verse 2. That he should give eternal life as many as thy has given them. So not only has the father given these people to the son. But he has given the son power. To give eternal life to this group of people. And none of them will be lost. There's not one of this vast multitude of people. Who will not receive eternal life. The father has given these untold billions to the son. And every one of them will receive eternal life. John six thirty nine, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Christ is the good shepherd. Not one of his sheep will wander away and be lost. Every one of those people will be redeemed by his precious blood and will be in heaven with him. So the Father appointed a people... He gave these people to the Son. Thirdly. All of these people. Will come to the Son. The Father appointed a people. He gave them to the Son. And every one of these people. Will come to believe. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he purchased. Their salvation. John ten twenty eight, And I gave unto them. Eternal life. And they shall never perish. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has secured for them salvation because he came into the world and he went to the cross in their place. He took the wrath of God in their place. He shed his blood to see that they could be forgiven their sins so that they could have eternal life. The only way you and I could ever have peace with God is if we made full atonement for our sin. And the only way we could do that would be to face God's wrath and hell for all eternity. With no release. So the Lord Jesus Christ has secured for us a salvation. A home in heaven. By taking our place on the cross of Calvary. These people had their salvation purchased by Christ. But notice he also redeemed them from their bondage. Psalm 40 verses 1 and 2. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the mire clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. That is what Christ has done for this group of people. They were stuck in the mud, the mire of sin. And he brought them up out of that muck, that mire. And he set their feet upon a rock. We could never release ourselves from our sin. Our sin was too great. It was too big a burden upon our back. But Christ redeems his people from their bondage. Don't know if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, we're, We're doing it in our house a couple of pages at a time. And pilgrim's walking about. And he has that burden upon his back. And he can't get it loosed. And it weighs him down. Everywhere he goes. It's all he complains about. His burden that he has. Well you and I have a burden. And it's that burden of sin. And we can't release it ourselves. Only Christ can release us. From that burden of sin. That is upon us. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he purchases their salvation. He redeems them from bondage. And then he does something else. He compels these people to come to him. So the father has given, or the father has appointed a people. He's given these people to the son. The Lord Jesus Christ has secured salvation for this group of people. And then he compels these people to come to him. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. Because one of the distinctions about this group of people that the Father has given to the Son is that they hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever the Lord Jesus Christ says to this group of people, Come to me, they respond. My wife has an uncle. He's a farmer. And he uh, used to uh, be able to call his cows. And the cows would hear him from one end of the field to the other. If my wife went and called the cows, they wouldn't come. Because they knew she, uh, they didn't know her. She was a strange voice. But they knew his voice. And whenever he called, the cows came. And the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to many people during his time on earth. And the gospel has gone forth to untold Billions upon billions of people. But there's only one group of people who will hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the group of people that the Father gave to the Son. That's what the Lord Jesus said. My sheep, they hear my voice and I know them. and They follow me. Because the sheep respond to the gospel. They respond to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what separates them from the rest of the world. They hear the voice of God speaking to them. And they respond. Those who are not Christ's. They'll not hear his voice. They will reject his overtures in the gospel. John ten twenty six. The Lord Jesus said to, uh, to, to another group of people. He said, ye believe me not because ye are not of my sheep. You're not my sheep. That's why you don't believe me. You're not one of my sheep. The hardness of your heart still exists. You don't believe me. But all of Christ's people will come to him. So the father appointed a people. He gave these people to the son. And all of these people will come to the son. But let's finish with the fourth point that salvation is freely offered to all people. It's the free offer of the gospel. Christ is offered freely to all men. Matthew eleven twenty eight. the Savior says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't just go and preach to a small group of people, those whom he knew that the Father had given to him. No, he offers salvation freely to all men. To everybody. Indiscriminately. Come unto me. And I will give you rest. And he tells all men of their need of him. Isaiah 1 verse 18. Come now and let us reason together. Saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. There the Lord is speaking to the whole nation. And he saying to the whole nation. Come. Come, and I will forgive your sins. Though they be as red as scarlet, I will make them as white as wool. Now, some did come, but many didn't. But all men are told of their need of Christ. And Christ invites all men and all types of men to come to him. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Who every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy, and eat ye, come. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. So the great invitation of the gospel is there to all men in the world, to all women in the world, to all boys and girls in the world to come to Christ. It's not that the invitation is only given out to a select few. No, all men are commanded to repent and believe the gospel. And Christ commands all men to be saved. We read this earlier in Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. So here we see that God makes a genuine and sincere offer to all men everywhere. To repent of their sins and believe the gospel. And that's what the apostle Paul Preached in Acts 17, when he was at Mars Hill, he says, The times of this ignorance God has winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. So God commands all men to be saved and to turn to him. And there is guaranteed mercy for the seeker. Isaiah 55 verse 7 let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. So there's mercy promised to those seekers who who come to Christ and believe upon him. Psalm 102 verse 17 it says he will regard the prayer of the destitute And not despise their prayer. But if we look at the second part of our verse tonight. Here we see something amazing. In the one verse we see God's sovereignty and salvation. All that the Father hath given me shall come to me. But then we see man's responsibility. He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So for the person who says, I can't come to Christ. I don't know if I'm part of that select group of people. I don't know if I'm one of his elect or not. Well, this is the mark that Christ gives. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He has promised to receive all who come to him. The command is for us to come to him. And if we do come to him, he says he will not cast us out. He will not turn us away. Scripture has many examples of sinners receiving salvation. We have Paul. Uh, who says in 1 Timothy 1.15-16. He says. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy. That in me first Christ Jesus. Might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them. Which should hereafter believe on him. To everlasting life. There was Paul. A persecutor of the church. One who hated Christians. Who hated Christ. And the Lord saved him. We can think of the dying thief in Luke 23. Who prayed Lord remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Lord didn't say well it's too late for you. No. He said verily I say unto thee. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. We could could spend all evening. Going through the Bible. And giving examples of sinners who sought God. And he heard them. Because that's what he does. Those who call upon his name. He saves. But we'll not find a single example. Of a sinner crying out to God for mercy. Crying out to Christ for salvation. And him shutting the door to them. Because the verse assures us. The Lord says. And him that cometh to me. I will in no wise cast out. Well coming to a close this evening. Many people get their order confused. They're not sure if they're in the group of Christ's people or not. Well, the Lord commands us to repent of our sins and to believe the gospel. That's what he calls us to do. And that is the mark of those who are the Lord's people. They believe upon him. They hear his voice in the gospel invitation and they respond. There's many deep things of God that we will never understand. But we can understand this very simple duty. It's our responsibility to seek God. That is what we are commanded to do. It is our responsibility to turn from our sins. It is our responsibility to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. On the day of judgment, God will not be blamed for the demise of sinners. Christ Has been freely proclaimed. Sinners could seek and find him. With the promise that he will receive the whosoever. The blame will never lie with God. The blame will always lie. With the hard hearted sinner. Who will not come to Christ. But what a comfort. The Lord Jesus says all that the father giveth me shall come to me. But what an offer of mercy. And him that cometh to me. I will in no wise cast out. He will not cast us out. He will not reject us. If we come to him.